0: Hello and welcome to Careers Talk, the podcast with the best hints, tips, answers and advice to help you with your career. I'm Laura-Jane Flutrani. In this week's pod, I'm joined as usual by Kerry-Ann Eustace. Hiya. Hi. To discuss the week's activity in the forums. And later in the show, Kerry's going to be talking to one of our featured posters who came to us about her inflexible working hours.
1: There was one occasion when I'd asked to leave early. By an hour, I'd asked to leave at four o'clock on a, on a Friday so I could catch a train. And I was told that I couldn't do that.
0: We're also going to be hearing from expert communicator Trevor Penton, who exchanged treading the boards for helping others with their communication skills.
2: Most actors will be at home playing someone else. And actually, this is quite tough, because actually it's about being who you are. Because if I can't be who I am in the coaching room, and I'm trying to coach someone in authenticity, how can you do that?
0: and we'll be having a look at next week's offering which includes a Q&A on women who find themselves the sole earners with their husbands staying at home this is careers talk from the guardian but first a roundup of what's been going on this week Kerry Over to you. Tell us uh, some interesting things.
3: Okay, well, we've had two Q&As this week, both really good. Yesterday, we had one on how to improve productivity and time management with some career coaches. And on Wednesday, we had the record-breaking teaching English abroad.
0: Yes, it definitely was record-breaking. I think we should have a bit of a chat about what happened. Tell us, first of all, why it was record-breaking.
3: Well, we had 166 posts, lots of new people coming in, and that's the most we've ever had. I think the reason it was so popular is that people liked to combine teaching English abroad with travel and we also had a lot of people sharing experiences they wanted to explain what had happened to them while they were teaching English abroad and, and I think as well the recessions had something to do with it and a lot of people were considering it as a career change sort of people further on in the career a bit older and they wanted to find out if it'd be suitable for them too and so what kinds of locations were they talking about? One of the places that was recommended quite a lot and people asking questions about was both Japan and Korea. And the questions centred around, do I need a degree? Because for those schools you do, that's the minimum requirement they want from some of their teachers and that's not the same for all countries and destinations.
0: Schools, you're talking language schools? Yes. Right. What about places that weren't so popular or people that had didn't have very good experience yeah we did have some people that were didn't
3: quite enjoy it as much as others although there was a lot of that on the site people saying go for it it was the best thing I ever did but um Samantha Collins didn't have a very positive experience did she at go? all she went to Italy and she found it badly paid and organized and she really didn't enjoy it
0: oh really I don't know if you know but I did teach yeah English in Rome how did you find it? well I thought it was a fantastic experience I taught business English. I think that you have to be clear about why you're going. You're not going to earn a lot of money. It's not a massive money earner. And the hours are incredibly long because obviously if you're doing business English, you're teaching outside of business hours. But it gave me a fantastic understanding of not only how the city works, how companies work in Rome and the culture of working in Rome but also in terms of location because we were sent out across the city so I mean I I really could probably draw you a map -hmm. Quite an accurate map of of Rome because, you know, I was back, you know, north, south, west, east. I had a fantastic experience. If you go with the right reasons, I think I I would say definitely go to Rome. I wouldn't say that that was a a bad place at all.
3: What about training? Did you do a TEFL course before you went?
0: Did I do? No, I didn't do a TEFL, but I did have a postgraduate degree in uh, teaching English and media at secondary school. Having said that, I have to say, There were lots about the TEFL teaching that surprised me and my lack of knowledge of grammar was quite shocking, really.
3: That's in line with what they were saying. That you do need TEFL. Yeah, I would say, yeah,
0: I would say, especially if you haven't got any teaching experience at all, I would say it is really worthwhile getting yourself trained because it's quite hard work. It's quite hard work. Something that I found out about this year actually might be of interest to people that are thinking about teaching English abroad. It's an English immersion programme in Spain. And what this immersion programme does is it takes native English speakers into Madrid, actually, puts them in a hotel and gives them one-to-one time with a Spanish business person. And the idea is that you spend a whole week with this person talking english it's called Town, and it's a bit of a weird spelling so i'll just spell it out for you it's v-a-u-g-h-a-n-t-o-w-n but as i say i'll put some uh, details of the website online for people if they want to find out more joining us in the studio now is trevor penton Trevor is the Managing Director of 3D Coaching, which offers tailored training to improve communication skills. Having spent 14 years as a professional actor, Trevor decided to retrain as a coach in 2000. Hello, Trevor. Good morning. So I suppose I'd like to ask you first about the trigger that made you change direction from being an actor to now being a coach.
2: Two things, really. One was a very practical thing. I had a career which, if you know jobbing actors, is, is pretty volatile, and I thought, how can I use my skills to actually, well, earn more of an income and also use them, feel like I'm using them and not just sitting in my flat playing Hamlet? So I um, got involved with a company that did drama-based training, i.e. role play. and actually it was really interesting. I did that for about five years, and then what I did is I found out that their core business was actually more one-to-one coaching. So I actually put myself forward. For this because I, I wanted a new challenge to be honest very interesting time quite challenging
0: why do you say challenging sorry to interrupt you
2: well I suppose it's because if you if you think of most actors most actors will be at home playing someone else perpetual chameleon and actually this is quite tough because actually it's about being who you are because if I can't be who I am in the coaching room and I'm trying to coach someone in authenticity how can you do that but it's just very stark when, it, when it's been To like confront that. yourself. Absolutely. And actually, in a way, that's what I'm helping people do in the coaching room.
0: So it sounds like that you're saying to me that to be an effective communicator, that you, you have to be yourself and you have to be honest with yourself.
2: The best communicators are that. If you've not done any work on yourself, if you've not got any awareness of the impact that you create, that, that can be quite dangerous, especially if you're a leader in an organisation because your style obviously dictates how people feel about the way they do their jobs and the way they're, they're, they're managed.
0: Can I take you back just a little bit to yes. uh, when you were at Raza? Yes. So uh, presumably, <laughs> well, you thought you were going to be an actor or you, where well, you were for about 14 years. Well,
2: I, I had to really think about why I became an actor and I realised actually it was very powerful to just be on stage on your own, playing that part and knowing you've got the audience on your side was hugely powerful. That was one thing. Another thing is that I had a, a very tragic event in my life in that my father died when I was fourteen. Wow. And I think this is, it's quite common amongst actors actually that there is some, some sort, sort of, of catalyst mm. or, or tragedy. Mm. And actually, I, you know, I realised you know there's a lot of emotion, and I suppose I had a lot of energy, and I thought where do I put this? And actually, acting was a perfect place to put it.
0: Some of the uh, skills that you learned at RADA obviously prepared the way for you to be a coach in absolutely. communication presumably
2: yeah, absolutely because what you're looking at is presence yes of course you're looking at some vocal stuff how to command the space how to use the space physically and vocally all those things all those fundamentals mm. but I suppose what what's interested me as a coach over the years is actually much more about what makes people tick what stops them from being authentic
0: mm. I think what I would like to ask you, if that's okay, mm. some tips for people, because obviously people that are listening are yes. might, maybe preparing for interview yeah. or they might be going to give a presentation or something. Yeah. Are there some top tips for communicating effectively that you could
2: give? Well, to copy a famous leader, who, who we all know of, uh, I'll slightly nick his, his phraseology, preparation, preparation, preparation is absolutely critical. Like, for, for example, if it's an interview... If you haven't thought about the examples and stories that you're going to bring out in that interview to illustrate and build on the questions that you've been given, obviously that's a a poor place to be. So if you've not done that preparation and you're just winging it, I think that's hugely dangerous.
0: Okay, so prepare.
2: Absolutely prepare. Interview-wise, before you go in, go for a run, go for a swim, go to the gym, just to relax yourself and get the body warmed up. It's a great way of relieving tension as well. Before you go into the interview, it's really just to centre yourself, take those deep breaths, and be still. Because as we know, when we're nervous, the danger is is to rush through the delivery. And actually what we want to do is apply the break. So I think the breath really helps with that. First impression is always a classic. You know, there was some great research done back in the 70s by a guy called Albert Morabian. 55% of the initial first impression is on visual, 30, if I can get my maths right, 38 is on pitch, tone, sound. 7% is on content. So 93% is not related to the content, which is is huge. Because what do people prepare? They prepare their content, which is right. But in that first 20, 30 seconds, it's going to be on those things. So you've got to go in that room with purpose. I think the biggest thing for me is... You want to make it a memorable experience for the, for the interviewer because obviously they're going to sit through quite a lot. So my view is is you do not want to leave your personality outside that door. And that's where I help people is to, to make sure you're freed up enough, you've got enough support to be able to go in that room and be who you are.
0: So if people want to find out more about what you do, they can go to your website, can't they?
2: Absolutely. My website is 3dcoaching.com. I'm also on LinkedIn they want to see some recommendations about me and the work I've done
0: thanks very much for coming in Trevor. thank you it's a pleasure okay thanks and now from us to you who's your featured poster this week Kerry and why have you picked them
3: this week I've been having a chat with Han Hull and the reason I picked this poster is because they're really active and loyal member of the careers community. Um, after coming with, uh, to us with an initial problem about not having flexible working hours, which we'll hear about more in a second, she came back again, wanted some advice for an interview and then again to tell us that she had the job, which is always nice, and then she was sharing her own advice and experience with other users, which is what it's all about really, so that's why I picked her.
1: I was in a job where I worked quite hard and was happy to do so. I did a lot of work with other officers overseas, so I sometimes worked flexibly. You know, I needed to be around when other people in other countries were around to to get certain things done. And then there was one occasion when I'd asked to leave early. By an hour, I'd asked to leave at four o'clock on a Friday so I could catch a train. And I was told that I couldn't do that.
3: What advice did you get?
1: The advice I got was more sort of reassuring that I wasn't being unreasonable. I got some legal advice as well. There's a legal expert who posts in, and I think he basically said, look, there's nothing you can do because that's their working practice, and they're not breaking the law or anything like that. But he just sort of said, look, they're just they're taking and they're giving, and that's just the way that it is. And then a few of the other posters said, you know, have you tried to talk to him about it? And also you know, sort of ways that I could approach it more calmly and maybe slightly more diplomatic ways of approach it, sort of saying, oh, you know, maybe I haven't handled it the best way on this occasion, but it's really important to me to leave early on this particular occasion for these reasons.
3: So did you approach your manager? Did you put the advice into practice? I did.
1: Um, the advice I put into practice was to speak to him more calmly. Although it was made very clear to me that this was a one-off and I was doing a big favour, I did manage to sort of talk him around to my way of thinking, so... It was useful to have other people's approaches and about how other people might handle that situation.
3: Okay, that's good. That's really good news. Well, tell us, that you know, your other post, what the problem was and what you were advised and what you then did.
1: The other post was a, little, a short while after, but maybe a month or so. I was then offered um, an interview for a job, but the job description was a little bit vague. What was also a bit unusual was there was a recruitment consultancy involved in the interview, but they were also sitting in on the interview itself as well. So one of the pieces of advice I got was just to sort of actually go to the recruitment consultant and and say you want you do actually want to ask some questions about the role that you don't think it would be appropriate to ask in the interview, and sort of reassured me that if they're doing their job properly, then they won't mind because they'll be expecting that.
3: And you got the job, didn't you? You I came back.
1: (laughs) Well done. Certainly what the posting did help me do was it gave me a lot more confidence about approaching the interview. And I hadn't had an interview for quite a long time. And it's really nice to know that there is a forum to go to where you can ask questions in itself. It helps you get a job because it gives you somebody to go and talk to.
0: That was Han Hole talking to Kerry earlier today. Well, that's about it, really. Just enough time to tell you what's coming up next week. Kerry?
3: Next week on Thursday, we're talking about the effects of redundancy with a focus on women who have become the breadwinners following a partner's redundancy. Um, So we want to hear from women and men showing their experiences and advice. And then on Friday, we're going to be discussing army careers with a female army spokesperson, Captain V. Corkish. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Great
0: title. Yeah. So many, many thanks to our guest, Trevor Penton, and our poster, obviously, Han Hole. And of course, thanks as always to the Delightful Kerry. Thank you. Don't forget you can find out more information on everything we've talked about and more by going to careers.guardian.co.uk. Careers Talk was produced by Kate Taylor. I'm LJ Flutrani. Thanks for listening.